Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello Celtics fans from around the globe or across the flat earth and welcome to another episode of the Celtics Reddit podcast. My name is Ben Vallis and I am in your ears all the way from Sydney, Australia, home of the 2000 Olympic Vince Carter dunk on Frederick Weiss, aka the dunk of death. Joining me as always from Newcastle, the only man to ever consider buying an Abdul Nader jersey, it's Jackson. How are you, mate? Yeah. Good, mate. Thank you very much for having me, as always. If you don't buy it, we're, we're sending you one. No, I'll rock it proudly. No worries. I've got, I've got much love for the, for the Grenada. <laughs> we all do. We put all me do. down. Put well, me down for one as well. Great intro. <laughs> Great intro, Ben. You spent a little time on that. I'm impressed. Well... Yeah, segue. And back in the starting lineup after a one-week hiatus, it's our man on the ground in New Zealand. It is, of course, our friend Joe. Joe, what's up? What's up? What's up? Six six straight is what's up, boys. We're happy. It's, yeah, yeah I, that's what we're all here to talk about. Right. <laughs> I think I think my absence coincided with a with a with a with a, with a win streak, and I'm a little nervous about being back on the pod for that reason. Yeah, man, we'll have to stagger yeah. your appearances on the show. Any scapegoat on our hands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Coming up, we're reveling in all the glory of the Celtics' continued winning streak covering the Jazz and Raptors games from the past week. We'll be chopping up all the latest news coming out of Celtics land. Later on, Jackson's going to run us through another classic segment of opponent watch, checking in on our very annoying and closest rivals from around the association. And we'll top it off by highlighting some of the top posts from around the Celtics subreddit and looking at our matchups for the week ahead. But first, guys, two freaking awesome wins. Let's start with the Jazz game, a 97-94 win on the road off a deluxe game winner from Jalen Brown, our sixth straight win and our 14th double-digit comeback this season. Guys, thoughts? How good is it when you win games like that? Those nail biters where you're just screaming at your telly. Like I was just, I had the day off work. No one was home, so I had no fear of embarrassing myself or going over the top. So it was just, Those are the it best was, days. come on, come on! <laughs> Neighbors must have thought something was up. But no, it was outstanding. I mean, um, one of those games where we probably looked dead going into the final few moments there. I don't think any of us really had realistic expectations of winning this game. Maybe the run of form that we were on suggested that we could have pulled something out. But I had my doubts, but bloody hell, we they got it done in the end. Jalen Brown with that three at the end. I'm amazed how cool that guy stays. Like, I mean, I think if it was other players on the team, no disrespect to them, they'd probably be a bit more animated, a bit more up and whatnot. Um, but Jalen's just just stone-faced. There's like a hint of a smirk in there. Yeah, I saw it when um, when Marcus Morris hit the three-pointer against the Blazers. He just kind of almost looks like he's scowling, but there's just a hint of a smirk <laughs> there. So that, that guy's ice cold. And that play that they drew up to get at the end there um, was just a thing of beauty. I'm sure we've all watched it many, many times. But just the synchronization from when 
uh, Ojale takes Gobert, that's when Larkin takes off, and he immediately recognizes that the open man, so it's like the over the head, no look pass. He had Rozier in the corner, he had Brown at the top. Whoever hit it, it was going to be money. It just got, you just yeah. got that feeling when the play unfolded and got to that point that something was going to go down, and it did, and it was just unbelievable. Yeah, man, it was, it was, it was definitely one of those games where um, <laughs> it was one of those games where I had to stop the clock at work and just watch the last five minutes. I knew I was, I knew I was not <laughs> yeah, going to be paying attention uh, to anything at work. Um, yeah, it was, it was. You, I think we're probably all in this space a little bit right now where we were. You know, the Jazz made that run, and I was like, if they better, you know, they better blow us out, or else it's going to be a game, you know. Um, and they didn't, and the margin got close. Like I saw it because I was doing the game cast thing, and I saw they'd blown us out to eleven, and then I checked again and would cut it to four, and I was like, oh well, <laughs> that's me for the afternoon. Um, I guess I guess a bit of strapping and watch this. Um, my take was. Terry Rozier is a monster in the clutch, and you expect every three that he takes um, to go down, like in the fourth. He had one play, he had one one three-point attempt in the fourth. Well, he might have missed two, but he obviously went nuts at the start and hit like three or four straight. And then he had um, he had a play, like I was saying to you guys earlier, but it reminded me of Mark Price, if anyone remembers Mark Price. He used to have these sort of plays where he would give the ball up at the top of the key um, and he would cut cut to the hoop and then he would curl back up to the top curl back up to the top um, to the top of the key off a double screen and catch and shoot a three point line and catch and shoot a three and Terry had one of those and I thought for all money it was going in. Um, but it didn't. <laughs> and I was stunned. So there we go, Terry. You're um you're you're my dude and you're I mean Marcus Smart's still my favourite player, man, but Terry's producing, eh? Yeah, we're going to get to the smart Rozier debate a little bit later in the show. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like you, at times you expect it to just become a blowout. And it's kind of been the theme of a lot of games recently where because of how undermanned we are, you sort of go into each game with lowered expectations. And like you wouldn't even be that bummed out if we eventually mm-hmm. lost because of course, like we're missing the majority of our payroll. This game, we're even more shorthanded than usual. We're missing Marcus Smart and Al Horford, both out with ankle injuries. Uh, So Yabu got the start. Um, Hit us with the three and the bow and arrow dab, (laughs) like pretty pretty early in the game. Which again, when that went at that at that point, highlight. Okay, happy with the loss. We got our Yabu three. We got the bow and arrow dab. I'm happy to walk away from this as it is. Early on, the Jazz went on a 13-0 run, and you were like, "Yep, this is definitely over." Um, but then we responded in the second quarter, outscoring them 30-15, to 15, which is pretty amazing. Turnovers killed us in the third quarter, unfortunately. The Jazz defensive pressure was totally elite, uh, and they were having a lot of success switching on the majority of everything on defense. Um, but then, like you said, Joe Rogier just lit it up in the... Lit it up, lighted it up. I'll go with lit it up in the fourth quarter. I think I think 11 that. points in the he quarter. Lit. Yeah. Lit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All three, all and, three uh, sticks look, I, were on fire, man. <laughs> I thought he was going to lose his double-digit scoring streak because he was pretty uh, uh, quiet, for lack of a better term, leading up to that point. Um, but he hit some of those money threes in the fourth to get us back in it. There were there were two. I think they were pretty much back-to-back three-point shots, and they were both just off insane dribble moves where he sort of like hezzied his guy to sort of back step down closer to the hoop and then step back and, and hit those two threes, which like I wouldn't expect from half the starting point guards in the league. And yet here's our, 
you know, second or even third string if everyone's healthy point guard mm. hitting those shots. So that was amazing. But the Jazz are a great team. They're well coached. They're, they've got a pure offense and a, one of the best defenses in the league. Um, so the fact that we're able to come out there and in their house and, and get this win was just insane. One of my favorite moments of the game that goes a little bit underrated was um, uh, Jalen, not Jalen, it was Jason Tatum's block on Crowder right at the end there because that was, that was 94 each. They had the possession. That was their last possession. And I think Ingles handed it off to him. He came around and he just fought over that screen and blocked the shot. Ingles got the one up after that, but it didn't matter. And I thought that was just a, that was a really cool moment there. One, one for Jalen to get in on the highlight reel with. Yeah. yeah, and Mike Gorman was going on about how uh, Crowder was like talking shit, or mm. talking smack to to the Rook, Tatum. Um, so to see him, I think he scored on Crowder late uh, and he had that block on Crowder as well. So that was uh, that was good to see. You know what? Um, also, just on a happy for you guys in Australia note, <laughs> after a tough couple of weeks in the sporting arena... Um, Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he says nervously. <laughs> no, I don't want to grate on you guys about it, but um, but Dante, it was cool to see Dante Exum back playing um, and playing well. I'm, I'm happy I'm, I'm happy that he's doing well, and I'm really hoping he goes, has a great career and plays well for I Australia for- too. Very kind of you to say that. I, I'd forgotten he even existed. You know, I know that's really, <laughs> really poor thing to say, one of our countrymen. But no, I just—it I, wasn't until I think maybe a week or two before this game that I heard his name for the first time in about a year and a half. Oh shit, that's right, that guy. So yeah, no, I, I followed that up completely. I think he had a block on. I can't remember who it was, but he blocked it, and then I either got the layup on the next play or something like that. It was a good piece of play, but I remember seeing that and being a bit gutted when it happened, but yeah. also very proud. I don't want to turn this yeah. into a jazz podcast. Sorry, sorry, Ben, but he is huge, man. He's a big mm. dude, Dante XMA. Point guard just sticks yeah, and out. Eight points off the bench in nine minutes, and it wasn't until about four points into his eight points that I was like, holy shit, that's uh, that's our guy. That's Dante Exum. He's totally back. I had no idea. Um, shows how closely I follow the rest of the NBA. But um, yeah, I was surprised to see him out there and surprised to see him. Um, like he only played nine minutes, so maybe he didn't have the chance to get so fatigued. But um, mm. it, it was good to see him uh, putting up some numbers. Look, quick uh, roundup of some of the the notable stats from the Celtics in this game before we move on. Uh, Jalen Brown, 21 points, finishing plus five. Uh, he did have four turnovers, but the whole team had a lot of turnovers in this game. That would have been the story if we lost the game. Uh, two steals, three assists, five boards in the very... Very spectacular game-winning shot, and we got that classic like Mike Gorman call on the uh, yeah. on the game winner, which was great. When the, when the audio scout. on the microphone peaks, just that little bit. Yes, yeah, that, like that, that classic that's Gorman really distortion. Does, that's what does it for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, Jason Tatum, sixteen points, three assists, two boards. Uh, we've got Baines and Rogier with thirteen points each, and a, a great game for Shane Larkin off the bench, who had ten points four assists, and somehow grabbed nine rebounds. Uh, I don't understand how that works. Um, that guy is tiny, um, but he's pretty capable of like launching himself pretty far into the air, so maybe that's what does it. And a, and a game-high plus 25 off the bench for that's last That's remarkable so in a three-point game. When you consider the rest of our starters were yeah. a combined negative 17, he was plus 25. Remarkable from Jim Larkin. Do bad things ever happen when Larkin's on the floor? I Do don't they think ever? I've ever seen one. Nothing bad ever happens, eh? Everything is fine and, and, and all getting better, eh? Yeah. Pretty good for a four-string uh, point guard. Not bad at all. We should uh, quickly shout out some of the comments from the game thread. User Coop1534 with the quote, 
from the user. He was quoting user on the sub 3ITKH. Um, most prominent users of the sub will be aware, well aware of this guy. He was quoted as saying, it'll definitely be a blowout. Um, obviously, it wasn't at all. That guy is a known pessimist around the subreddit. I think he's blocked me because <laughs> I have this obsession with trying to get him to say something positive about the team. Um, and user Irascible Coxwain, I hope I'm saying that right, <laughs> says... <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> That's what it says. I keep flipping I keep flipping between whether I think Jalen Brown is the greatest player of all time or if I think Jason Tatum is the greatest player of all time. <laughs> Definitely not hyperbole. Absolutely true. Um, I think that those thoughts are plaguing all of us Celtics fans at the moment. So uh, so good call-outs there from the users. We should move on now to the Raptors game. Our sixth straight win, our 53rd of the season, and what a game against those normally very pesky Raptors. Mm. Yeah, um... First, just just straight off the top, man, like the the amount of physicality off the ball um, was I felt really noticeable in this one. It's like we had to execute under a lot of pressure. It seemed like it took us a lot to just you know with those dribble handoffs are uh, normally relatively unimpeded. There was just it just took a lot more to get our offense into into the actions that we normally get. Um, so we really had to execute at a high level because we were. They were chewing up clock. Um, so, for me, that was the real pleasing thing, seeing this team respond, and not only like a mentally pressured environment, but also just, there was just a lot of physical pressure on them. Um, yeah, that's that was my that was my observation, uh, top observation anyway. Yeah, I was just amazed how even the game was for the first mm. three and a half quarters. Like, it was just punch for punch. I don't think there was ever a team that went on a real significant run. I think Raptors got up by six at one stage, or we were up by four, but it never really fluctuated beyond that until it got to about that you know six seven minute mark of the um of the fourth quarter um when that two three zone just for some just completely bamboozled the raptors and no idea yeah. how to deal with it and from there we just kicked away and it was like that was just such an astute i mean we probably should get into we'll get into brad stevens later but like that piece of coaching that adjustment that was made on the fly and the results that it produced when the game had been so tight like that and it was really not a lot on the line but they now potentially could be going forward that that game finished the way that it did. So, you know, that was just an excellent thing to see. And the one thing that really blew me away with this whole game, four turnovers for the Celtics, entire game, you know, with the players we've got yeah. out, the opposition we're up against in the stakes. That's just, that's remarkable. Yeah, so we had 18 total turnovers, uh, giving up 24 points offset turnovers against the Jazz. Five total turnovers, like you said, against the Raptors, and only one from our starting five. So I, I, an amazing difference. I wonder if that's it. the Al Horford impact. You know, he just cleans a lot of stuff up. Eh? You know, if Al Horford's yeah. got the ball at the top of the key, sorry, Australia slash New Zealand, <laughs> but I feel a lot more comfortable with, than that one with Aaron, Aaron Baines, who, who can sometimes force the issue a little bit. But then sometimes Aaron Baines, just, oh, Stephen Curry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Steph Curry, a.k.a. Aaron Baines. Uh, first quarter domination, <laughs> career high two, three-pointers, only one three uh, previously in his career. So uh, I think he finished the first, I don't have the stat up here, with like 12 points or something like that. Wasn't very impactful uh, moving on beyond that point. But uh, yeah, like I was cheering so loudly in my <laughs> lounge room watching that game and just watching Aaron Baines. You mentioned it's been a difficult week for Aussie sports with the uh, the cricketing scandal. Tell us so, more about the uh, scandal. No, that, that's as far as we'll go. That's as far as we'll go. The US doesn't want to hear it. They're not interested in cricket on Wimbledon. Oh. <laughs> it's a great story. Yeah. You guys should look it up. 
Aaron Baines funny. was uh, redeeming funny. my uh, my thoughts of uh, Australian sports, even if it was just for a quarter of the game. It was amazing. Yeah. Do you think perhaps he used his beard on like the, the, the one side of the ball just to get that extra spin back is why his jumper looks so beautiful. I think he's got the, one of the best looking strokes on the team along with uh, Jason Tatum. It's just that mid-range, it's when, it, when it splashes, that's sweet. So yeah, he had an yeah. amazing first quarter. Echoes of Amir Johnson with the yes. like slow to slow to get it up <laughs> three pointer. <laughs> and also yeah. Jonas Valanciunas, <laughs> you know, like yeah, the, the yeah. Jonas big slow motion wind up like a slingshot and then ping three. <laughs> uh, look, you mentioned the two three zone. I've done yes. a lot of reading. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of reading about a two three zone, uh, and it turns out it's uh, it's like it's been used in college teams since as early as I think 1976 with Syracuse. But it's not commonly used in the modern NBA because it leaves you incredibly vulnerable to the three-point shot. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but for whatever reason, it was very successful against the Jazz late in that game and late in the game against the Raptors as well. Kyle Lowry was quoted as saying on the zone D, it had a lot of effect. We were stuck outside. They did a good job in the zone. We didn't make any plays. We had to figure it out and we just didn't figure it out quick enough. And that was the, that was really the story of the fourth quarter. Couple couple comments on the two three zone. Yes, it's uncommon in the NBA, but I can assure you it's very, very, very common in social basketball in New Zealand. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Over here too, here as well. <laughs> yeah, we don't play man to man. We're not we're not fit enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is the defensive choice. Jeff Van Gundy has this point. He had this point about the Celtics early on in the year, and he's like they're huge. And what he meant by that wasn't that we've got a whole lot of seven footers. He meant by that, man, we're just really big on the perimeter. Like if we go smart Tatum Brown, one, two, three, like that is massive guys out there on the perimeter. And and Rosier's got huge arms as well, too. When you got a two three zone, right, the trouble is two dudes have to cover three spots, basically. So you put a you put a six nine guy out there like Tatum in, in place, you know, instead of a guard, and and you've got a you've got that guy can cover off a lot of ground. It, they should still be able to beat it in the NBA, to be honest. Like you just set a pin screen, and and you've got a wide open three pretty much every yeah. time. Um, but yeah, they um they the Jazz just couldn't. But deal if CJ Miles is is missing every single yeah. shot that he takes, I think he went like zero for six or something like that, and like. Didn't just barely miss his shots, like really spectacularly. That air ball at the end of the game that they reviewed, and it would, like, <laughs> yeah. missed the hand by like a meter. Yeah, well, I was going to say the, the Raptors are one of those anomalies where their best player is someone who just doesn't have a three pointer as part of his arsenal. So even though Ibaka was shooting threes quite well, Lowry can shoot three quite well. The fact that DeRozan really didn't have an option when they were in that there, and he tried to like come inside more. Like you want to keep him out of the paint because that's where he was hurting us. And he's still got 30, was it 32 points in the Man, loss? Man, like, yeah, was a he, he's, nightmare. He's, he's a beast. incredible player when he gets in that mid-range with whatever he decides to do. It's normally cash. So the fact that we kind of limited his opportunities in there and kept them out, I'm sure had a knock-on effect that, you know, put us on that on that run. Yeah, hashtag stats talk, DeRozan, beast, 32 points, 7 boards, 7 assists, and Abaka, like you said, 15 and 10 with a couple of nice threes there. So um, when Abaka was hitting those threes like fairly early, I was like, ah, shit, like we can't win against that. Van Fleet Um, hit his first two as well, I think. Yeah, and he looked really good. Um, And obviously we've heard a lot about him uh, sort of throughout this season as maybe the the spearhead of the very good uh, Raptors bench. Yeah. that, I'll just segue quickly because that um, speaks to this and we'll, we'll come back to the game. But on the 
Game thread, user Teagold55, uh, one of the top comments, our bench just beat Toronto's starters. Our bench's bench just beat Toronto's bench. <laughs> Which, uh, that's true. It's not even an exaggeration. That's exactly what happened, and it was great. This is like, you know, I think we should bask in this part of the season because who knows what the playoffs may bring. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. a, this this may be a peak, you know, and um, I'm enjoying it, man. Like, this is, this is a great, this is a great time to be a Celtics fan. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. yeah if we can just get past that first round with this skeleton squad, uh, if we can just do that, and surely coach of the year Brad Stevens can coach us through that first round against hopefully the Bucks, maybe the Heat. Then we get some guys back. We get Kyrie back. We get Smart back. Um, hopefully I'm not forgetting anyone else. We get those very critical players back in our squad and uh, we can make a push for the finals, maybe. There's someone I know you haven't <laughs> mentioned. Someone who was spotting running around a little bit earlier, but anyway. I don't know. We're saving that for later. Yeah, I know what you're right. talking about, right. and uh, I've had a little pep in my step, just like the gentleman you're discussing, uh, but we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, we should probably just cut back to a few notes very quickly on the game. Uh, so we mentioned the 2-3 zone. Finished the game on a 22-7 run um, after trailing... 88 to 92, it just seemed like there were consecutive plays there where the Raptors kept trying to get it inside and it was just Boston interception after interception and fast break buckets and uh, it was amazing. Yeah, I felt I felt like that's when you really saw, you know, obviously we talked about the zone, but that's when I think you saw real Brad Stevens, you know, coaching, I think, strengths really come to the fore and he was in, in a way not only exposing the Raptors team but was also exposing uh, Dwayne Casey's ability as a coach. Like, we don't want to take any, you know, credit away from what he's done. It's been you know, fantastic job that they've done in the past few years, in particular this year and the way that they're playing and the fact that they've gotten the number one seed, they might finish with the number one seed and they've gained a lot of respect around the NBA. But this whole debate about he's the coach of the year over Stevens is a load of shit. Like uh, the, the disrespect. <laughs> yes, agreed. I wouldn't say the disrespect, but just the, the fact that Brad Stevens is almost like an afterthought. Like everyone's forgotten what happened on the first night. Everyone's forgotten, forgotten the, the subsequent 16, 17 games after that. And, and you know, Beating the Rockets, beating the beating Golden State, having a win over Cleveland—the game that we just saw. There's, there's exhibit after exhibit after exhibit of just examples of this. So the fact that that's even a discussion, the only one I could potentially put over him would be D'Antoni, but that's because they've had like record-breaking offense. That's the end. Mm. They're the number one seed overall. It's the only argument you could give at me. But other than that, it's Brad all day, all day. Long. And I know this is a bit biased, <laughs> but come on, it's fact. Oh, <laughs> Jackson, don't sell yourself short. You're not biased. You're an objective observer. Thank if you, I've Joe. Ever seen one? Thank you, sir. You're just speaking truth. <laughs> it's narrative, eh? Like it's almost like you want to be to to win these awards. You need people talking about you at the right time. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of what it boils down to. And um, and Casey might have made his run too early. Like there's enough time for the for the for the worm to sort of turn back towards Stevens for sure. Um, I think the six-game winning streak, people had to sit up and take notice because it was pretty remarkable. Um, yeah. the, the zone thing, though, like like it was awesome. Um, I think the Raptors will be well and truly prepared for it come playoff time. Like They yeah, definitely have the weapons be. to take care of a two-through zone, for sure. Yeah. Like they, they have more than enough shooters. They get, to, another, they get another run at it on Wednesday, too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. be interesting to see like what... what I don't know. Um, maybe Stevens will go for a three-two or a one-three-one. No, he wouldn't do one-three-one. A three-two could be quite interesting. Yeah, or that that diamond they sometimes run in yeah, uh, out of bounds yeah. plays. Yeah. Now some quick 
stats shout outs and then we're going to quickly move on to something that happened at the end of the game i keep thinking that in this injury plagued stretch of the season that going into every game maybe this will be the tatum game the game where he drops like 35 and maybe (laughs) you know 10 boards and we see this like epic breakout game we didn't quite get that from tatum but he finished with 24 points on a pretty efficient nine from 16 from the field uh perfect from beyond the arc at two for two hit all these free throws six boards four assists zero turnovers uh, great game finishing plus seven there for Jason Tatum that was really good to see uh, particularly in a high stakes game bit of a playoff atmosphere um, and he really bowled out there as well and we, we have to shout out Marcus Morris as well uh, 25 points nine boards three assists and some pretty clutch shots hitting uh, 10 free throws there as well now speaking of Marcus Morris uh, do you guys notice anything interesting there coming from our Mook our, our friend Mook Towards the end of the game, did he do anything that uh, that surprised something, you? Something cheeky, perhaps. <laughs> well done. <laughs> he, he just grabbed the opportunity, really, did hey. <laughs> the opportunity to miss a game due to suspension. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, I was. A, I was like, I, okay, it's fun. You're a fan, but like, big picture, I'm a little annoyed about it because yeah, those technicals can add up at the wrong time, man. Like. You've, yeah, we've seen that before. Um, Draymond Green gets himself suspended, you know. Um, but anyway, whatever. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. Is anyone? Is he actually getting suspended for the next game, or are you just talking about like the technicals like accumulating? No, no. They, yeah, they can accumulate up. Yeah, sure, you know? sure. Those are two. Those are two technicals you didn't need. You know, like you could see it happening. I was yeah. like, just chill out. He was arguing with DeRozan, through. who was behind him, like not even in his face anymore. I feel like yeah, that was probably avoidable, but. Um, yeah, we saw that photo that was making rounds on not only just the uh, Boston Celtics sub, but also the NBA sub of a book with a big man-sized portion of this poor little referee's butt. And it was, <laughs> it, 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 it looked like just a slap. It looked like just like a little quick, you know, innocent slap, but I guess innocent that you, that you see happening on the court. But like just when it's paused like that, it's, it's quite, a, quite eye-opening at least. When is a slap more than a slap? <laughs> Yeah, it definitely looked like a slap on TV watching the game. But uh, yeah, just like paused on that frame or that photo that was posted. Just a real uh, like big chunk of ass just grabbed in the hand there, which uh unprecedented. I've, I've never seen anything like that uh, in basketball in the NBA ever, maybe. So I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he does face a suspension. Um, but at this point in the season we can just count that as rest surely he's had some ankle issues so one game off um, against the Bucks coming up might not be that big a deal but but who knows I'd like to see his twin try and do something similar between the not too distant future they can have side by side images of the boat grabbing (laughs) grabbing whoever's ass we'll see (laughs) that would be cool Uh, moving on let's get to some news around the team now something that was posted on the sub within the last 24 hours or so and no surprises there um Many upvotes, lots of hype coming from all the fans. Submitted 21 hours ago as of the time of recording from user Fever's Mirrors, who is a um, a very consistent content poster on the subreddit. Gordon Hayward has started jogging without the Alter G. And it's basically him running up and down the court in the Celtics practice facility in Waltham there, Massachusetts. And uh, it looks pretty good. It looks pretty freaking buff as well. It's good to yeah. see that he's kept yeah, in shape he there. Did. He, he did like Chunky dude. Yeah. Uh, did you guys watch that earlier today? Of course. <laughs> looked like the beep test. Did you guys ever do the beep test in PA? Yeah. It looked like that. Exactly what I was thinking. Out. Except it was beeping like up and down rather than up and 
whatever. Yeah, it was it was slightly different, <laughs> but it's good to know that they yeah they still use that um they use that test um there. I could basically I'm fuck going nowhere with this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> leave that in. Leave that in. Leave it in. Leave it in. It was the beep <laughs> test. He runs it, my man. <laughs> Fitness gram pacer test, according to Burrito Phil on the sub. Uh, it's a multi-stage aerobic capacity test, which blah, 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 blah. You have to run at a certain pace and, and get to the cone, like within the, the beep intervals or something. Apparently, um, starting slowly, one of the more difficult things is actually running at that slow, controlled pace. So, I don't know. Someone posted, I think it might have been on RNBA and not the Celtic sub, because you can see in the thumbnail... Um, the little mini hoop in the background and someone posted something along the lines of oh man like they've still got isaiah thomas's equipment in the gym after all this time <laughs> which is just Lol. very savage but uh pretty funny <laughs> oh, <a> little dude. <laughs> indeed moving on a quote coming out of espn on the Kyrie situation celtics coach brad stevens said he got his first peek at Kyrie irving since the all-star had surgery last week to remove a tension wire in his left knee saw him on friday Spend a lot of time with him. His spirits are good, Stephen said. Bending and extending his knee on a training table. No on-court videos. No 360 dunks. Just extending his knee on a training table. Uh, Irving's out for the remainder of the regular season. And our team, the Celtics, have said recovery would take three to six weeks. That's so good to see that, um, I don't know, he's somewhat mobile and he's in good spirits. Guys, do uh, you think he'll be back anytime during the first round? Or we're going to have to wait a little bit longer? I guess it'll depend how long that first round series goes i think if we're in a situation where we may even pick up more injuries or the circumstances surrounding it that look like the, you know we could be facing elimination you know in a game seven that's always a possibility but i think if he's basically good enough to go then you would you what you couldn't not see it could you him coming back in to you know to get us this important win but i think the whole reason that he had the surgery when he did or that the, the organization decided that was going to be the the best way moving forward was so they didn't have to rush him back so he could sit out you know the majority of the time now and be right be 100 percent fit or at least as close to it when it gets to the second round so if he needs to come into the first round then you know obviously if he's willing to go he will but i mean i would have my doubts that we wouldn't be seeing him until at least probably the second round or midway through that i i'm gonna stick with my convictions you know he's coming back he's coming back he's coming back i've got to i gotta stay with it otherwise i can't respect myself I can't. I can't back down now, you know. Wait, are we talking Kyrie or Hayward here? Oh, sorry, Hayward. Hayward. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Of course, both of them are coming back, right? Like, <laughs> right, some, right, someone, guys. Right. The, someone posted on the sub. The new meme is now four twenty three instead of three twenty three. So just like advance it a month, and uh, we're back. We're back. Just with make the new it four twenty. Just be done with it. Make it the yeah. make it the make it the <laughs> premium meme. <laughs> it's interesting seeing news of Kyrie like the, the kind of hasn't been a lot coming out about his situation since it was reported that mm. he was having the surgery and because of like all the Terry Rogier business and Shane Larkin and the whole Scary Terry, Scarence Terrence um, like <laughs> brand taking off when I first saw something on Kyrie I was like oh yeah like remember Kyrie Irving like our all-star <laughs> starting yeah. point guard like that amazing player that we signed yeah. and have him for next year as well it's it's funny how quickly things move on in the NBA and although he's there um, recovering and, and on his way back to our, our starting lineup it's going to be weird when he does because we've hit such a groove with this current unit and to see Terry like relegated to the to the bench at least to start the game it's going to be odd I think Yes, yeah. Um, 
it will be interesting to see how his um, how his rhythm is affected by it. I'm encouraged because you know the streak kind of. I think he's a confidence player, and and I think once he's got confidence, he's good. You know, like his streak kind of started when he when he had that opportunity to start, and then when he went back on the bench, it, it continued as per. So, um, I think it'll be fine, but it's not certain, is it? No, certainly not. I was going to say it was touching on that we haven't really had many updates on the Kyrie situation since uh, he had the surgery. Um, yeah, it, it was. When I did see the update, I was like, oh, you know, that's right. I had forgotten about him just slightly. It's because, you know, the record, the streak that we've been on, we, we haven't missed him, have we? I mean, we certainly could have done with him in a few of those games just to make it a little bit, you know, easier on the um, easier on the adrenaline. <laughs> but beyond that, I mean, I think um, they've obviously carried themselves so well, the, the, his replacements, that, you know, there hasn't been an obvious Tyree-shaped hole in this team as of yet. I think the first round, if it's going to come up anywhere, it might come up there. But, I mean, for the most part, yeah, it's, it's a pleasant surprise to, to, you know, not be missing him as much as I think we, should, we probably expected we would be. Yeah, I, I think our offense has definitely missed him, though, eh? for sure. Like, we're not we're not scoring that well. Like, I, I forget, I think it was a Chris Forsberg article. He was like, we're scoring just enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's taking somebody doing something pretty cool every night. To, yeah, to lots of clutch out, shots in the fourth quarter, really, yeah. to get us over the line each time. It's interesting, yeah. though, before we move on, that we talk about how we might not see the same success in a best-of-seven playoff series. Teams are going to plan to play against the team, you know, as we've been in the in the last little while. Like, the, the team that we have out on the floor running the sets that we're running, maybe we're lucky and... Despite that, we get through the first round with the team that we have because we're playing such a lower seed. But then we move on to the second round. The team we come up against, whoever they may be, they're, they're putting the same planning in place to play against the same unit. But then suddenly we're introducing guys like Kyrie Irving and Marcus Smart and potentially Gordon Hayward back into that team. And, and how can they plan against that? How can they plan really to play against the unit that has been playing so well together with the introduction of multiple All-Stars potentially and Marcus Smart? Um, who will hopefully one day be an all-star. How, 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 how does that work? I feel like that works to our advantage. If we can just get over the hump and just get past that first round, then suddenly we're introducing these like amazing wild cards that really give us um, quite an advantage. Yeah, I'm not worried about Kyrie coming back strong. I think he's one of those guys who will just... He'll just ball accept... Out. Yeah, he'll ball out. He'll accept the spotlight and he'll come back gracefully. I mean, that's what we all hope anyway as well too. Marcus Smart didn't look rusty when he came back from being out with his hand injury too. So no, the omens are good. But yeah, if we can get through that first season quite uh, through that first series quite strong, and then bring Marcus and Kyrie back into it, and maybe maybe just uh, just big uh, big big booty Hayward. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll be a nightmare for teams to plan up against. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment with Jackson for another segment of Opponent Watch. All right, it's now time for Opponent Watch. Watch, watch. That was an explosion. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, all right. Cool. So, opponent watch this week. Now, we were very familiar with uh, the Raptors' uh, schedule uh, this past week, mainly because we beat them. Uh, before that, though, they did have a win over the Nuggets. Um, and with that win that we had over them, that puts them two games ahead of us in the first seed. Now, 
It is to be noted that if they to lose to the Cavs tomorrow, and then we can beat them after handling our business against the Bucks uh, the night before as well, we're both coming off a back-to-back. That would give us the first seed on the head-to-head record. I believe where that would put us at three to one over them. And yeah, I believe you are correct, Jackson. Thank you, Joe. And yes, that would Spicy. that would give us the number one seed. So, do we think it's possible? Have the wheels fallen off Toronto enough at just the right time for us to snag that first seed? What do we reckon? Yeah, I mean they couldn't even beat our bench, um, <laughs> and their bench's bench couldn't their bench couldn't beat our bench's bench. They got our bench so, basically. Yeah, I think the wheels are firmly off the the raptor wagon and that puts me in good stead to believe that we can take the the first seed from then i don't know joe what do you think i don't think the wheels are off the raptor wagon i think they're going to be playing two really good teams this week and they're gonna have to you know the rap you you lose two games in a row to well i guess it's three might be three now you lose three games in a row to good teams the wheels aren't necessarily falling off you just got beaten by three good teams and it's definitely a possibility uh, that we'll be uh, having a look at that one seat. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of a uh, lot of games that have impact on on seating positions this week. It's going to be a fascinating week. Absolutely, and also their their following game after the Celtics is the Pacers and the Magic. Now you would assume mm. they would probably, even though the well, you would assume the Magic they would knock over as they would be their well in tank mode. But the Pacers are an interesting one because they're still they're still within a shout, I think, for the fourth seed. So again, if they come, they, mate, they are in a shout for the third seed. They are in a they're, seven third seed. They're yeah. a game back that's on the third seed. Yeah, so that's going to be a game that has um, things on the line. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, Indy's a little bit of an outside shot to to me to get up to that third seed. I I, I think Philly's going to. I think Philly's going. Well, I've said in the past before Embiid got injured that I think Philly's going to get it. If Embiid wasn't injured, I would say for sure. So I think Philly's for sure going to get to to forty nine wins. Um, and most likely 50. Um, so that means that Cleveland is going to have to beat one of... So they're playing Toronto, Washington, and Philadelphia coming up this week. They're going to need at least one of those games to be in a tiebreaker situation with Philly, that's as good. far as I can tell. That's going to be an intriguing game, isn't it, when they visit Philly? Um, I don't know what the that, day is, but yeah, it's coming up this week. Um, that's uh, this Saturday, our time, so Friday for uh for over in the states yeah big time it'd be interesting to see what kind of cavaliers team we see going into that game because they've definitely taken their foot off the accelerator for a few of these games but then we've seen them turn it on again so when they had over the over the raptors uh, about a week or so back you could tell they were really amping up for that but like obviously the heat they did have kevin love go down and kevin loves kind of their record with him versus without him is staggering so he went out for that game but they did lose um, but then they went on a winning they went on a winning streak against the Hornets, the Pelicans, and also the Mavericks. So LeBron's been doing his best Russell Westbrook impression as of late, averaging almost a triple, averaging a triple double all throughout March, and I think he's getting done in in uh, April as well. I guess the the elephant in the room is no matter how good we do in our first round, we are and the second round, we'll see. We're inevitably going to have to take on LeBron. You would think, unless someone else can do the number on him, which we think is. Probably not realistic. Well, man, I think, look, I'm, you know, I'm sticking to it. I think they're going to be the four seed, and I still think Toronto's going to be the one seed, yeah. even though it's a chance we are going to going to be there. And I think Toronto, you know, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to Toronto, Cleveland, and the Celtic Sixers in the second round. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it's definitely the best case scenario if uh, one of the Raps and Cavs at one and four um, can take care of themselves, take care of one another. 
Um, and whoever comes out the victor is nicely battered and bruised to go up against us, ideally, in the conference finals. Mm. Um, having said that, I don't think that Philly are going to be an easy beat in that second round if it does turn out that way. Obviously, they'll have a healthy Embiid back at that point. Ben Simmons uh, hails from Newcastle at some point in his life. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's obviously been beasting and getting a lot of triple-doubles and wins and all of that. Um, so it's going to be interesting, but ideally, if we can leave it to the Cavs and the Raptors to to take uh, each other out in that second round, that would be the best for sure. Yeah, it'd be hard to argue against that situation because I would I would feel very very comfortable going up against the Raptors in a series. When say very very comfortable, that's probably would overstating you? it a bit, but I would feel would much better you? about it. Yeah, I absolutely right. would. Here's the thing: relative confidence. Relative. Here's the thing: the one thing that Philly doesn't have is real playoff experience for that unit of players. Yeah, so I totally. think if the wheels start to fall off just a little bit or something goes starts to go wrong, it wouldn't surprise me if it, it, they just fell to pieces. They might also ball out. They might just, you know, relish the spotlight and it could just be this wave of momentum that carries them on a deep run. The Raptors, historically, we know what they're like in the postseason. They, has, they have not been very good historically. Um, they haven't really got it done. We haven't seen DeRozan or Lowry really step up however this is probably i'd say arguably this is their best season their best regular season so far for the pair of them so if they are going to come good you would probably think it would be this season but just historically i mean if you're gonna if those are the three options for the second round i mean i'm putting Cavs at the bottom of that list and i would love to pair them up against the raptors and i would have and i would take take on philly just my personal preference yeah and on that user crash testing one two three in the post game thread after the uh Raps Celts game the other day uh, said this game had such a playoff atmosphere explains why Toronto lost mm-hmm. smiley face <laughs> uh, which is a pretty pretty savage burn on the Raptors but you know that they can be a little pesky at times as we like to say around here so that that's probably fair enough but absolutely Jackson they, they don't really have the the proven sort of playoff expertise or, or victory uh, historically there so look if we do come up against them in the second or, or later rounds and we do have a, a much more complete uh, team at that point you know healed injuries and whatnot that I'm, I'm relatively confident as well that we can we can do something against those guys yeah i am also saying that under, under the assumption that Kyrie irving and marcus smart are both back at least of course. early in that season in that series i think if they're if it still gets if it gets a game three game four and they're not back uh, obviously depending on how the how the games are going that would be that would start to worry me a little bit because we will need that star power and we will need smart's grip you know at some stage when the chips are down i'm sure of it so as it currently stands so good man we got shane larkin yeah, don't worry about sherry it terry 50 points a game we're good yeah. <laughs> it'll take care of itself i got, got got the faith got faith um so yeah as it currently stands the heat is our opponent in the seventh seed however as we were just talking about briefly a lot of things can fluctuate over the next six games um the heat they have a back-to-back against the hawks firstly in miami and then in atlanta so you would probably assume they would get both of those against the tanking Atlanta out there. The Bucks, who are our next opponents currently in the eighth seed, they've obviously got to play us. Then they play the Nets and also the Knicks. So you definitely see them winning those the last two of those games, whether or not they do it against us. I mean, I think that'll depend a lot on what position that we approach that game from. Are we going to save our energy and try and beat the Raptors if that helps us in any, any way, shape or form? Or should we try and win both games, just push it all the way and try and get that first seed? What would you guys think? I think you should always try and get the first seed if you can. I think it's, you know, I think I think even it's just it's just almost like a like a basketball gods type thing, right? Like I'm, you know, I think you should try as hard as you can as long as you can. Um, I think it's also worth. I don't think it's out of the question that Detroit sneaks in there. Um, 
So, because the Milwaukee's got to play us, right? So, I expect we'll beat them. Um, if Milwaukee does something stupid, like Brooklyn, man, Brooklyn can beat them. Brooklyn is a pest, man. If they if they drop a game to Brooklyn, all right, then they've got the Knicks, Orlando, and Philadelphia. So, they've got three games that you would expect them to win. But if they drop one of those three, okay, plus the game to us, then they've got Philadelphia last game of the season. Philadelphia will almost certainly be, like, very motivated to win, okay? So let's just say they only get two two more wins out of this. Puts them at 43, right? Yeah. So that if they have to – if they if they drop one, it puts a lot of pressure on them in a game against Orlando. Like, it's, it's not likely, but it's possible. And if we are, if Detroit is in the eight seed, we definitely want the one seed. So that's my that's my oh yeah take. definitely I, I if Detroit somehow snuck in there I mean it would be I'd be amazed because it's something that I didn't even considered when you said it, I haven't ruled it out completely my hesitate my initial reaction was Are you serious like and but then no as you run through it and you see how many games they've got left and the possibility that Milwaukee could very easily drop three of those games if not more um, then yeah Detroit could sneak their way in there and I mean as impressive a feat that would be it wouldn't change my you know opinion of them that much I mean. Blake Griffin has looked like he added a lot to start with, but they've since progressed to basically the form that they've been in throughout the season. Drummond, I mean, he had that one game where he beasted us earlier in the season, but I think even with injuries, I think we would be able to handle them. So that would be ideal if we get the one seed and Detroit would get up, absolutely. It's it's an outside shot. They'd have to beat Toronto and Philadelphia. Um, Detroit would. Mm. They've got... Philadelphia, Dallas, Memphis, Toronto, Chicago. So, so they'd have to they'd have to win out um, to get themselves to forty two wins, um, and Milwaukee would have to have to really stuff up and drop to, drop two of three to Brooklyn, New York, or Orlando. It's, it's possible. It's possible. Um, not likely, but possible. Definitely, yeah. And I mean, I, even with every or even with Detroit in there, I mean, obviously you would rather Detroit, but realistically, I mean, going up against the Bucks, it's something that I wouldn't necessarily be too concerned about Giannis can definitely fall out and is someone to be absolutely not taken lightly a um a buck series would be really interesting for Ojale who had some really good moments against Giannis early on in the season if you guys remember um it'd be I think that would be one of those ones you know that's the cool thing about the playoffs say is like like Gerald Green just emerged against the Bulls as a key key player (laughs) and then went promptly back into cotton wool (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see who comes out of the fold there. Like you mentioned, Joel Green last year, who uh, who some would say saved the series for us there against the Bulls, where we were looking a little stuck there after a couple of games. And you know, it probably wasn't Joel Green himself, but it was certainly the, uh, the change to the lineup that was needed to spark the offense and get us over the hump there against Chicago. Semi Ojale definitely had some good performances against Giannis earlier in the season. So if he can be the Giannis stopper in in a in a series against the Bucks, um, that's uh, that's definitely something I put my money on for sure. Can we, if he does that, can we call him the anti Tumpo? Oh, <laughs> the label's there. It's just waiting to be slapped on. Someone. Come on, Semi, claim it, man. Claim it, mate. It's there for you. <laughs> Moving on. Before we get to the upcoming games in the week ahead, we're just going to discuss. Some of the top posts from around the uh, Boston Celtics subreddit over the past week. Top post over the past week was Jalen Brown's game winner against the Jazz. We're not going to go over that one because obviously we talked about it at length earlier in the show. But one of the runner-up top posts from the sub over the past week was one Marcus Morris on Boston fans. I think they liked me, but now they're starting to love me. 
guys thoughts on Marcus Morris he's growing on me I I still have I still I still am not like a lover of his game but there was a moment a eh, like I don't know if you remember um, we had a like a scrambled situation with late late clock Marcus Morris in the like the left corner did a, did a one dribble pull up up fake and he drew a foul and we got two points out of it and it was a really needed two points and that's just what he brings a eh? like you sometimes you just need dudes who can put the ball in the bucket you know and in, in difficult circumstances and he really brings that so I'm glad he's on our team yeah it's, I think it's a definite a shared sentiment from the probably the majority of the Celtics fan base you know I don't think anyone was really you know, in love with him or he was really endearing himself to the fans for whatever reason. I think it just comes down to his, like his demeanor. He's a very sort of stoic dude. He doesn't really, you know, pump the crowd up, at least not from what I'm, I'm seeing. But, you know, his game has just t- shouted out all doubters of, of his game. You know, he's been getting 20 plus points the last five games, you know, really rather quietly. I mean, obviously there was a big winner against Oklahoma. Um, there was that big clutch three against Portland as well. But I mean, he got 25 against the Raptors and, you know, you can watch his highlights and you can see that he was here, there and everywhere. But for the most part, he wasn't the scene stealer. You know, really, he wasn't front and center, the star of the show, but he just goes about his work in such a professional and, you know, clinical manner that, you know, how can, how can you not hate him? How can you not like him? Yes, love him. Love him. I love that step through movie he had on a bucket. I don't know if you remember the one he got the and one at the oh, end of yeah. the game. He <laughs> totally <laughs> traveled. Several steps. He traveled. <laughs> several yeah. steps. He travelled, but he only travelled because he did, because he went one two on the land. Like if he'd had a jump stop on the land, he would have been sweet for yeah. the step through. Made it look yeah. good. Too, I love so. that move. Yeah. I, I popped over move. to the uh, the Raptors subreddit for that moment just to see what the reaction was, and yeah, it was. Uh, I bet they were indifferent. They were, they were livid. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. I was loving it, and I didn't comment. I wasn't that guy. I just kind of I was there and, and watching what uh, what was happening so in their sub, and uh, it's very entertaining from the Celtic subreddit perspective. Um, that was posted to the sub. I should say. Give credit where credit's due by user Royal Ramble. Uh, one of the comments on the thread by user Datstar Bowable. Hope I'm saying that right. Mook is like a larger, more versatile JR Smith with actual defense and basketball IQ. And to think I thought he was Crowder 2.0 coming when we snagged him. Lol. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. Yeah, I mean, a larger, more versatile JR Smith with defense and IQ. Like, is that just not everyone bigger than J.R. Smith who can still kind of shoot? Yeah. <laughs> it's, I guess it's streakiness. Like, like, maybe they're talking about the personality a little bit there? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I guess although J.R. Smith seems like a little more kooky than Marcus Morris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not grab-assing a bunch of the referees, yeah. but uh, yeah. <laughs> He'll untie he's his shoelaces, yeah. though. He's not throwing soup either, though, so, you know, there's trade-offs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true. Um. We talked about on an earlier episode how Mook Morris takes like Paul Pierce kind of shots where he just kind of isos and pulls up and he's always under heavy defense, you know, hand in his face kind of shots and he just pulls up and at first when we were getting used to him, it was like, no man, don't take those shots. Like you're stopping the offense, as we've said here earlier, Um, you're, you're killing the flow of our offense and then he starts to make them and then he starts to make them consistently game after game and then he starts to make them in the fourth quarter in crazy clutch situations when everyone's injured and he's winning us games and all of a sudden it's like just feed this guy the rock man like give him the ball and, and let him do his thing it's it's amazing for me that the psychological turnaround and how much more comfortable i am with him you know getting the ball in in these clutch situations and going going to town yeah 
it's enjoy it though like it's not gonna last <laughs> no, <laughs> no. it can't Always like bringing he, me back he's down a veteran <laughs> he's a veteran he's a veteran and he will his production will return he will regress to the mean yeah. i feel um but but great you know we've needed his contributions and i'm very grateful yeah. for them. i feel like his regression is going to come the day he stops having brad's brad stevens as a coach now <laughs> don't want to say that he's not working on his game or he's not doing anything you know to make himself the best that he can but you know brad's got a history of these players coming in he turns them into stars they go sure off does. and they regress back down and i don't i'd love to see marcus morris put up those kind of numbers with us for a long long time that would be fantastic but i think realistically he's going to be shown the door sooner or later and i think that's when he'll go back. That's at least when I hope the regression happens, if it happens, mm. when he's not in a Boston mm. uniform. So. Now, the next top post on the subreddit over the past week, two days ago, posted by Fozzy24. Uh, look, out of the two of you, Joe and Jackson, which one of you does the best Russian accent? This is from a tweet from Yanos. Uh, Celtic fan favorite. Oh, this is great. I'm, I'm assuming this he's Eastern European or Russian. I, I might be able to do it off memory. Raptor number zero, very mad. He wears short number titles of Raptor. <laughs> yeah, I imagine him. He's like John Malkovich and Rounders, like that kind of uh, Russian <laughs> with like an Oreo. <laughs> yeah, classic uh, Yanos tweet. Um, skyrocketed up to 715 votes, uh, upvotes on the sub as of the time of recording. And then Fozzy posts immediately, mods, please don't delete, um, to which they agreed uh, shortly after, which is great. It's good to see this kind of content on the sub. Um, and awesome shit talking from who I guess is an international fan, although there is some uh, conspiracy talk you were saying earlier. Who who are the uh, the top candidates as to who could be Yanos? I've I've heard I've heard a rumor that it's Danny Ainge. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which, which, which you know I could imagine Danny Ainge doing this. I'm gonna... Maybe it's Paul Pierce. Maybe it's one of his several phones that he's holding <laughs> at, at any given time. I'm saying, I'm saying, account. I'm saying Kevin Durant. <laughs> Dude's got hundreds of aliases, and this is his. Um, this is his. Like, have you seen the movie Split? Like the fifty personalities or whatever it is. Yeah, this is just one of them. I have not. Tell me more. Oh, uh, it's M Night Shyamalan's um, return to form. I say with inverted commas. Right. It's pretty ridiculous, but it's yeah, it's better than half. <laughs> just, made. just PSA. The the podcast M Night. Shyamalan did with JJ Riddick was awesome. Like that's well, well what's this? Sorry, awesome. M Night Shyamalan he did a podcast and JJ with JJ Riddick. No way. Oh, like his really? uh, new Ringer podcast. <laughs> yeah, which is somewhat. Well, yeah, obviously it's somewhat of a continuation of the Yahoo thing. But yeah, yeah. it's real. It's a really wow. good one. I'll check that it's, out. It's, 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 I, I would give it like a ten out of ten recommendation. I so enjoyed it. Hopefully the ringer will give us a shout out on their podcast network now that we've uh, yeah. we've done that for them. They can yeah, hopefully yeah. return in yeah. kind. We know you're listening, Kev on. Yeah. Turn the favor. <laughs> Slash Bill Simmons. Yeah. Seems fair. <laughs> uh, one of the top comments from the thread from user JPD909. Yanos just roasted the entire country of Canada into oblivion, which he totally did. Uh, good call there, Yanos, whoever you are. Uh, moving right along. Uh now, this is somewhat of a contentious issue. So, this was posted to the sub by user OB1124. Shout out to OB1124. And he says, it's time to seriously start considering Terry Rogier over Marcus Smart for the long haul. Mm. Now, I'll just quickly summarize the post. It's basically written, it's no secret that we're going to have to, we're not going to be able to afford uh, both of Terry and Smart. Uh, especially knowing that we are probably going to be throwing the max at Kyrie very soon and an extension at Jalen not far behind. 
He goes on to say that he thinks that Terry has surpassed Smart in nearly every aspect of the game, despite being a huge Smart fan. Um, although it's going to be challenging, uh, given how well Terry's been playing and that he might have you know, some big-time contracts thrown at him. Guys, uh, like I said, it's a contentious issue around the sub and around general Celtics fandom. Uh, who do you prefer? Uh, who's your preference, Terry or Marcus? Marcus. Oh yeah, tell us why. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is a this is a um, this is something I've thought about quite a bit, and I could probably just go on for a long, long time. The pros, the cons for each guy. All I'm going to bring it down to is that I say Marcus because I feel what Terry brings to the table is more replaceable and I think you could find other players who could give you that kind of production whereas what makes Smart one of my favorite players I know he's one of your favorite players Joe if not your favorite uh, what he brings to the table for me is so many more intangible qualities and so much grit and so much just 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 mongrel really I don't know if Americans are familiar with that, that terminology <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a good one it's just that dogged determination to go for every ball he gets in people players' heads. Everyone will remember the the end of the Rockets game against Harden for as, as long as life as long as time. Um for me, it's it's gotta be smart. I, I just think he brings I think he what he brings to us would be harder to replace than what Terry could. Yeah. I I a lot of this is gonna come down to the role and I love Marcus Smart and like he is my favorite player. Is Marcus Smart a starting point guard? He's a finishing so. point guard, you know, but is he like, is you know, he's a finishing player. He's one of the best five dudes on your team for sure. Um, I don't know that he is, and I think that's a good thing. I think Kyrie Irving's our starting point guard, and I wonder if Marcus Smart is just more complimentary than Kyrie Irving. I wonder. Um, Rosier, you know, Rosier, like, Rosier kind of... Marcus Mark could be the dude. I, th- I almost feel like he could be this guy, and we paid him... If we paid Marcus Smart $10 million right now and we got out of him what we're getting now, are we okay with that? I, I kind of am. Oh, yeah. You know, if we paid Terry Rosier $10 million, and, like, it's been... It's great having him progress, but if we, and we got out of him what we're getting now, are we okay with that? I don't... I, I just feel like uh, that feels a little redundant to me because... I feel like this. I feel like I can get a good amount of that production from a uh, Shane Larkin. <laughs> um, you know, I could be wrong there. Yeah. What? What do you? What do you? What do you reckon, Ben? Well, the, the fanboy in me wants us to hold on to Rogier and, and let Smart go, which is a tough thing to say out loud. But just with how you know, a recency bias definitely comes into play here. Rogier has been absolutely destroying it for us in the last five games. Uh, 19.9 points per game, uh, 52% true shooting, 41% uh, field goal percentage, and 46% from three. Uh, just under six boards, 3.6 assists, 1.6 steals. This is in the last five games, small sample size, but this is the Terry that we've come to know in, the, in these recent weeks. Um, and it's difficult to say no to that at this point, given how impactful he's been for our team. But Have- can he play that role if Kyrie's the starter? 
Yeah, so I, I made like any sensible person a pros and cons list and the con, the, the number one con is may not be willing to keep coming off the bench. He's playing his way into a lucrative contract. So I think that's definitely maybe going to make the decision for us when it comes to it. Whereas Smart, um, you know, the injury issues with his thumb at this point maybe comes into, I think his contract ends at the end of this season. So we have the potential to extend him at the beginning of next season, uh, if I'm not mistaken. He's restricted for He's restricted for edge. Yeah, so we'll have the opportunity to match whatever he's offered. We've got his, his bird rights there. Um, the, the negatives around Smart are his fairly terrible shooting and shot selection. So he definitely seems more comfortable as a playmaker out there. Um, but he does seem to have a, a terrible shooting IQ. Whether or not it's just that Rogier takes those same shots but actually makes them because he's a better shooter, I'm, I'm not sure. But... What Smart brings on the defensive side, which is no secret, he's like a little mini KG. He he absolutely brings the defensive firepower. He does sometimes tend to shut down the offense, which has, from our bench, been a continuing theme, I feel like, over the last few years. Even, even though we've fielded different squads over the past few seasons, one issue we've had consistently is that our bench will come in and our offense will die, which against... Good teams like the Cavs and the Raptors, it's not going to cut it. You know, the offense needs to have some continuation once that second squad comes in. And that's something that Terry is going to be able to continue to offer us um, coming in for Kyrie um, moving forward. So that's what I think. I think ideally we keep them both. (laughs) That would be pretty Yeah, I vote for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So... Rosier's to me, Rosier's funny because, like, to me, like, I feel like I have an idea of what Marcus Smart is in the NBA, and it's a little un- less clear with Rosier. Um, you know, like, just because, okay, like, say he's a starter, is he like, where is he in the NBA? Is he the twentieth best starter? Is he the twenty fifth best? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's not that high up. Like, if he's your starting point guard, how good are you? Well, okay, <laughs> now I'm. Well, maybe six and zero in the last, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the last two weeks, good. But yeah, it's a mean? small sample size for sure. It is a small sample size. I, I'm like, I love Rozier. I, I think he's like, to me, he's. I'm not sure what he is, you know. Um, but that said, Rozier's going to be up for an extension this summer. I, I, stop me if I'm saying what you guys just said earlier on. I, but like, Rozier's up for an extension this summer at the same time that Smart's a restricted free agent. Those two are going to get could get pitted against each other, right? And and it could be like the Celtics have leverage here. They have leverage because they can offer one. They they can essentially offer negotiate with two people at once, right? So um, I think we're going to get whoever is going to be a bargain. That's that's my take on it. If Rosier is willing to take a haircut on an extension, then we're probably going to wind up with Rosier. Um, so w- while Smart's contract ends at the end of this season, I think we have another year of Rogier before we have to make a decision Correct, on him. Correct, but he's extension eligible this, this yes. off-season, just yep. like Smart was last time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But at least uh, I guess we have another year to, to figure out who Rogier is to us and who he is to himself in terms of giving him a deal that's going to be Terry Rogier friendly but also Boston Celtics friendly, if that makes any sense. Hmm. It's, I, this is an, a very interesting time to negotiate though, right? Because there is... There's enough known that we know we want to keep him, yeah. but there's enough unknown that we're not quite sure what he's worth. Like, I feel like we kind of have an idea of what Marcus Smart's worth and what he is, you know? Um, and it's just kind of come down to, can he get a better offer elsewhere? Yeah, I, I feel like the market's going to be more open for Rozier than Smart, personally. I think, like, really savvy GMs 
would probably see more in Smart than they would Rogier. This is just my personal opinion here, but I think there'd be more of a market for Rogier. I don't know who would be in the market to, to get a starting point guard. I mean, there was a Suns fan on, on the sub early today, uh, Action Jackson Bender was, was his name, and he was asking about a Rogier trade, and he listed, you know, some of the assets that they have. Um, I see him probably getting traded, to be perfectly honest. Like, I think I'm leaning towards them keeping Marcus over Terry, and I see them trying to get maybe some more assets or maybe, you know, a like-for-like sort of situation from him. But, I mean, that's just how I feel it's going to end up. And you can trade him with bird rights too because they're going to pick up his... Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think the the Magic and the Bucks are two teams that would definitely benefit from the services of of one Terry Rogier. Mm. Um, And maybe this, what I'm about to say, summarizes all the points so far but from a gm perspective like you you know what marcus smart is going to be as a point guard off the bench you know that he is going to be significant uh and like fruitful in that role um but you don't necessarily know what terry rogier is going to be as your long-term full-time starting point guard so given that we have kyrie irving on our team who is a very much proven starting all-star point guard and we know the role that really uh, we know that the role we need to fill is who's going to come off the bench for Kyrie, knowing that Marcus Smart is that better point guard off the bench, who we can bring on for defensive purposes, who we can start if there's a guard, an all-star guard that we need to throw extra defensive attention to. Maybe for that reason, Marcus Smart is the guy that we need to hang on to. Yeah, and hey, maybe Rosie is actually the better player too. You know, and, and as much as Marcus Smart's my favorite, maybe Rosie is actually the better player, and that's why we can't keep him. Uh, you know, if, if it comes down to it. Yeah, and that, that's definitely the the sentiment and the general consensus um, through the comment thread on that post. So it made for a pretty healthy discussion. I recommend jumping onto the subreddit um, posted by, like I said, OB1124. You'll see it uh, if you sort by top posts of the last week. Um, a lot of interesting discourse and discussion there. We should move on as we're running out of time. Posted a day ago as well, user ZachHotch7. Hope I've got that right. Uh, posted a thread, Celtics best plays of the year. I ended it with that inflection because it's a question. Uh, now, <laughs> user Brad Stevens posted uh, the top comment on that thread with a massive list of streamable videos covering all of the top Celtics plays over the season. Highly recommend hopping on that thread and checking it out. It's a, it's a really well put together list and very user-friendly in that they're streamable, streamable videos and you can just click on the play button. They'll, they'll expand on your device or computer and, uh, and play for you there. And they all um, appear to be chronologically listed, just uh, going through it now. So uh, By player, yeah. By player, yeah. So uh, interesting stuff. Guys, have you uh, had a chance to check that out? I watched all of them. I watched every <laughs> nice. single one. And it just made yeah. me realize how good of a season we've had so far. Like, I mean, obviously, given the trade and how everything went down in the offseason the expectations that we had when they shifted, when Hayward went down and everything that's happened since, you know, it's easy to get kind of caught up with, you know, the, the situation that we're in, even though it's been really good as of late. But I think regardless of what happens this season, you have to look back on like what we've done, the highlights that we've had in the moments that, you know, I'll, I'm certainly going to remember for a long time. It's been a, an amazingly eventful season and we're going through those plays. is just, it's a joy to relive those. Joe, do you have a, uh, a play, a best play of the year in mind? Oh, for me, it's got to be smart during the offensive foul on Harden. Yes, yeah, that was mine Agreed. too. Amazing Agreed. stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's been a great season. 
It's been it's it's a found money season. We've been playing with house money as Celtics fans for like three years straight now, you know, and it just continues. Yeah, it was pretty tough early on there. Um, obviously, the Hayward injury, and then the very next day, the loss to the Bucks. Segway, moving on. Upcoming <laughs> games over the next week, tomorrow or today, by the time you're listening to this, April third, uh, we're playing in Milwaukee against the Bucks. Now we're two and one against the Bucks across the season. Although, like I just mentioned, the first loss doesn't count. That was the day after the brutal Hayward injury. Last time we played, Giannis scored 40 points and we still won. Uh, and our defensive rating in Milwaukee against the Bucks is 90.7, which is a good 10 points or so lower than our, our average defensive rating over the season. So uh, that puts us in good stead for hopefully a good defensive performance and hopefully a win against the Bucks today in Milwaukee. Guys, any thoughts on the Bucks? I don't think we need to be good offensively to beat the Bucks. I think we're going to be in the game for sure at the end, even if we play poorly. And um, and then it'll just come down to the crapshoot at the end. Um, so I like us against Milwaukee. I'm, I like us too. I mean, I think the momentum that we're on now, you feel like it's going to end sooner or later, but that doesn't mean it has to. I think. <laughs> I, think I think that I think the squad would just the squad would be absolutely full of confidence, and you know, the next two games are potentially could decide as we went through earlier today uh, went through earlier the the number one seed so i think they know what's up milwaukee no doubt is fighting for their own seeds you know it would be interesting to see who they would want to place they probably would rather take on us you know minus Kyrie and minus smart and all that but um yeah no i i like our chance yeah so many games we've gone into recently as you sort of just touched on there jackson Every game going into it as a fan, you kind of think, surely, surely we can't win this game as well. Like, surely our luck has run out and we, we can't continue to win. You know, even as far back as the OKC game and then the Portland game and then the Jazz and then especially the Raptors the other day. Uh, and even going into this Bucks game, it's like maybe they're not as good as some of the teams we've beaten recently. But surely, you know, like we can't keep doing this. I know that Rogier is only probable heading into this game or, or questionable even because he... Um, tweaked his ankle in that pretty scary uh, fall after that layup attempt and Mook is possibly facing a suspension although we haven't heard anything about that up until this point but you know it just brings the question to mind you know some doubt surely at this point we can't continue this winning streak that would be our seventh in a row although who knows Um, now another game that surely we can't possibly win is uh, the day after April 4 at Toronto last time we played in Toronto, uh, they killed us. We lost by 20 points, 111 to 91 points. That was, oh, that that was, was rough. the worst game of the year. That was, that was a brutal game. And we're 2-1 and one against the Raptors this season, so even if we lose, we come up 500 against them, which for such a, a pesky team, a pesky, sometimes annoying fan base, um, to end the season with no team having the advantage in terms of shit-talking, I'd be happy with that personally. Um, guys, any thoughts heading into Toronto tomorrow? I think a lot of it hedges on the game they play against the Cavs the day before. And I think it depends a lot on the result that we get against the Bucks. I think if we win and they lose, it's going to be a completely different atmosphere than if we lose and they win. Or You know what I mean? Like, I just I just think yeah, it's good. Yeah. What, how the other team is coming off their form versus how we're doing is going to be, is going to play a lot of this factor. I, I obviously, I want to win every game. I want to beat the Raptors at every opportunity. I want that first seed. But if we were to if we were to drop that game, whether it's, you know, after losing to the Milwaukee or whether it's, you know, the end of the streak, um, I would be okay with it. Ultimately, I would be okay with it, but obviously we want that first seed. Yeah, I want the Raptors to beat Cleveland 
on I do like and I do want them to beat them so um, if they do win then they go up to well they're, they're going to be two games ahead of us we can't tie them up in that game there so I sort of in my bones I sort of feel like this is probably a Toronto win um, but hey I thought we were going to lose to Portland the other week and we pulled it out yeah so likewise. we'll see that's the yeah. thing like we've we've been there and if anything we've learned like you, you can't have too much doubt heading into these games because you just don't know who's going to pull it out in any any given performance um now moving on friday april the 6th versus the bulls and sunday april the 8th versus the hawks i think these games only really matter based on how today's game and the following day's game yeah. mm-hmm. um, go for yeah. us and the Cavs and the raptors if it looks like um there's no chance that we can catch them for the first seed. Who really cares? Like, hopefully, we just field the red claws. We rest yeah. anyone who still isn't injured and matters, um, and just rest everyone for the playoffs and and just you know whatever. I, I don't think these games matter at all unless we it's can really be, come for that first seed. Be, yeah. If if the Raptors sweep this week, it's going to be Dab City. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which that that's pretty exciting actually. I feel yeah. like we'll have some uh, pretty good uh, discussion points for the podcast next yeah. week if that's the case. That's <laughs> going to be a lineup of death. Tell you what, Nader, Yabaselli, Bird, Allen. Who else? Is uh, is old mate still playing for us? What was it? Was it Xavier Silas? Is that contract up? Oh, flip. good point. Yeah, yeah I think that's him on the bench. When I say I saw him on the bench, I saw a guy in our uniform, and I was like, "Who the hell yeah. is that?" And then it occurred to me that it was probably him. Yeah. So uh, he's older I than I know. thought. I mean, he looks older than I thought, anyway. But yeah, and like, good for him, like sitting on an NBA bench, you know, with uh, Al Horford and Jalen Brown and, and those guys. That's uh, it's got to be a career highlight for him, and uh, hopefully he gets some court time, particularly, you know, um, moving forward against the Bulls and the Hawks. Um, if it does end up that we can't really go for the first seed, then that will probably see. A lot of uh, Mr. Silas there, so so who knows? Four quarters of garbage time coming up. <laughs> <laughs> How Four. sweet would it be to be like, get that one 10-day contract and have like official NBA gear that's actually your name on the back of it, you know? Yeah. Like, that for me would be like the coolest thing in yeah. the world. Yeah, a 2K character that you can like hack the ratings on and, uh, and dominate. <laughs> Courtside seats. Listen to, yeah. Just listen to Brad call the whole game. It'd be amazing. <laughs> Not bad. All right, guys, that just about does it for another episode of the Boston Celtics Reddit podcast. Thanks again for joining us this week. We'll look forward to seeing you guys in a week's time. Please remember to subscribe to and rate our podcast, Five Stars. We're available on the majority of all podcasting platforms, so please get on there and subscribe and rate us. It really helps us out as we are a fairly new and upcoming podcast. Looking forward to the games we've got coming up this week and to seeing you guys in a week's time. Joe, Jackson, thanks again for joining us. It's been great. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys. It was fun. Cool. We'll see you guys soon. Peace. Peace.